0: This is Pickleball Radio. I am your host, Chris Allen. I am in Asheville, North Carolina, and I'd like to bring in our esteemed panel today from up in Collingwood, Ontario, Canada, one of the world's top pickleball coaches, Mark Renison. How are you, Mark?
1: Hey Chris, I'm doing great. Though we're under uh, a nice blanket of snow for mid-December, it's great. It's rain right time for Christmas. My dog loves it. My kid loves it. <laughs> doctor, it's like a workout for me. I don't have to go to the gym. I just go out and shovel all day. It's great.
0: Early Christmas present too. I got you the. Uh, I had to go ahead and give you the upgrade because you're one of the world's top pickleball coaches. Well, I
1: heard that. I I figured you'd edit it out once you slipped up like that. But
0: thank, <laughs> thanks. I appreciate it. it's a nice Christmas gift. Well, who better? You know, who else? It's not like there's some. You know, some. Coach in Sri Lanka. It's like New York, New York. Remember the song? Uh, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. <laughs>
1: well, you know, you know what? I suspect. I suspect that there are some amazing coaches out there who either are flying under the radar or just haven't yet discovered pickleball. But uh, I'll take the compliment where I can get it. Thanks,
0: from Portland, Oregon, uh, pickleball legend. He's been around the game for before Mark or I even knew the game existed, and uh, made such a huge difference in it, and uh, and continues to do so. Portland, Oregon. It is Steve Peronto. Hey, Steve. Hey, good to be with you guys today. Been a few months since we've spoken, and just wanted. To see what was happening with you personally and and see what your take is on the uh, pickleball scene as it uh, stands today
2: wow you know the players are just getting better and better quantity of good players the quality of the players every, you know just the enjoyment of rec play tournament play has grown so much i'm just loving it
0: yeah but what do you hate
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know you would think what i would hate the most would be I, you know, I always thought, I'm 62 years old now, That I always thought, oh, good, when I get 60, it's going to get easier for me to win at, you know, the big tournaments. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Now I'm, I'm playing against people that I paid to watch when they were pro <laughs> tennis players when I was in my 20s. So I was a small college tennis player, and now I'm playing against pickleball against players that played at Wimbledon. So that prediction uh, turned out to be wrong.
0: <laughs> so you'll be careful what you wish for. It's like, yeah, I want the skill right. level to grow, and I want the game to grow, but yeah. oh, I didn't mean like like against me personally in a tournament. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'd love for John McEnroe to pick up a pickleball paddle, but I don't want to face off against him.
2: Yeah, my 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 dream would be to have, uh, because he was always my idol, it would be to have Jimmy Connors out here. He, he was a fairly swat, a flat uh, ball hitter, which would... I transfer really well to pickleball. I'd just be uh, amazing to see someone like that come out to our sport.
0: What's been, I've been enjoying your your uh, articles and contributions to Pickleball Magazine. How's that been going?
2: It's been a blast because, again, when I was a kid, I bought every tennis magazine you could buy. I read every instructional article. And now to be able to really kind of do the same thing and, and uh, write articles for a Pickleball Magazine on instruction, it's uh, kind of a dream come true for me.
0: What else have you been working on?
2: Since I went to nationals, I've, you know, Mark and I were talking about a lot of the things we watched and I have always taught, and I still teach my beginners this, the the basic third shot dink with some nice arch to it. But you know what? At the higher levels, that is too easy nowadays for the top players to hit a great fourth ball. And so since I came home, I've been working a lot on slice third shot dinks, Ah. Uh, a little bit on topspin third shot dinks, but now it's, the top players are, are just using a big variety of shots on the third shot, just to keep the other people uh, guessing. And also, if if you have a slice third shot, Dink, they can't scan the court where to hit the fourth ball as easily because they may have to volley it, and uh, they have to really focus on the ball. Where you hit that nice arching third shot, like we teach beginners, and I still think that's the way for you know three five four O's and probably four fives to hit. But uh, the great players just have an answer to that that ball right now.
0: Well, let's do this. I want to talk more about that and uh, get your reflections, yeah, on the the Paddle Tech Daniel Moore interview that came out and uh, see if you have any insight into the CBS Sports debacle, delay, whatever you want to call it. And that'll be coming up right after the break. This is Pickleball Radio. Find out for yourself why almost half the medals awarded in the Pro Division of this year's U.S. Open were won using an Engage paddle. Go to EngagePB.com and try any paddle risk-free for 30 days. That's EngagePB.com. You're listening to Pickleball Radio. I am your host, Chris Allen, joined by ThirdShotSports.com, Mark Rennison and Steve Peranto up in Portland, Oregon. So I wanted to talk uh, quickly about Daniel Moore and the PaddleTech interview that came out. We linked to it, I think it was the Wednesday issue of Pickleball News, talked about what he felt like his success formula was at nationals. And one of the things that he hinted on was we just didn't rely on third shot drop all the time. We were... um, adding in a lot of third-shot drives. I remember talking to Matt Staub probably a year and a half ago, and he was saying, if somebody hits a weak return, 100% of the time, I'm driving it. You know, Everybody's definition of a weak return is starting to change because it seems like anything uh, that doesn't keep you back beyond the baseline is now considered a weak return. What do you think about that, Mark?
1: There's so many months now I've been in various places, whether it's on Facebook or in our newsletter, have talked about this option of, something besides the third shot drop. So I was really actually happy to see that article come out because you do see a lot of variety out there for a whole bunch of different reasons, either because players don't have a lot of confidence in their third shot drop or because they don't have a lot of confidence in their opponent's volleys at the net. And they think that, you know, just ripping that third shot might produce something weak. Mm -hmm. When you hear someone like Daniel talking about it, when you see someone like Matt Wright or Lucy Kovalova or Simone, Sarah Ansbury is a great example, playing these third-shot drives. I mean, they don't do that because they can't do drops the way that some of the, the newer players and the lower-level players might. When you see the best players in the game using third-shot drives... It's for a very specific strategic reason.
0: Yeah. And to be fair to Daniel, he, he did say that at some point you are going to have to hit a ball soft into the kitchen in order to move up to the non-volume zone line.
1: That is assuming that the net team can weather the storm of your third shot drive. Then you say, okay, well done. I guess I'm going to have to play that drop. But um, as Daniel pointed out, you're seeing more and more players kind of test the waters, test their opponents to see if they can handle the speed. Steve, what's your take on all this?
2: That's a great topic, but the players that are effective with the hard third balls are hitting them just inches over the net, which is actually a way tougher skill than hitting a third shot dink. You talk to Larry Moon, who's very well known for hitting a hard third ball and then dinking the fifth, and his partner, Tyler Sheffield, the same thing. They'll both tell you that it's really more difficult for them to hit that hard third ball inches over the net. If it goes too high, they're gonna pay for it. And if it goes too low, it's in right in the net. You really have to have a mix of all those shots.
0: Now, like us here in North Carolina, I'm sure you mark up in Canada and you, Steve, in Oregon, you probably uh, had your party hat on ready for CBS to air Nationals uh, this past week. And, yay, we're going to get to see a two-hour extravaganza. And then, uh, lo and behold, they they bumped it for... uh, I don't, was it a curling competition or something like that? No,
2: they had put some kind of football special. Oh, well. okay. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't, I'm disappointed because I think where we're being pushed, the time we're being pushed is 10 in the morning, right during the holidays. I'm hoping they have other
0: broadcasts of it yeah saturday the 23rd of december christmas eve eve at one o'clock eastern time 10 o'clock pacific we're probably not going to be doing anything on uh, christmas eve eve in the middle of the afternoon on a saturday that'll be some good viewing some prime viewing and spreading the pickleball <laughs> <laughs> love as dave Weinbeck likes to say you didn't hear any any reason as to why or anything Steve. Did you get any uh, any back channel information
2: I just heard that it wasn't USAPA's fault, that it was um, CBS. So I don't know if they didn't have it edited in time. I really don't know. Oh, okay. But two hours is going to be great. And if they feature some of the singles matches, for instance, you know, Tyson's singles match or um, Simone's, and the average person watches that, they're going to go, oh my, I, this sport's interesting. I'm hoping they put, a, they put a lot more singles on this
1: year than just doubles. I agree with you, Steve. I think... As a spectator sport, as something that you might be watching on television, that singles, when it's played well, is so much more entertaining and exciting to watch than doubles.
0: It's a lot easier to follow the ball. It's hard to watch doubles pickleball on TV. I mean, it's it's slow, 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 and then it's boom, 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 and it's over.
2: Yeah, and, I, and, the, and the spectator really doesn't know what's going on. If it's an average person turning it on, they don't know. But if they watch singles, I think that could be a tipping point that makes Pickleball, maybe next year would be on ESPN several times.
0: That was another thing in the, uh, the Paddle Tech Daniel Moore interview. Uh, he was talking about rally scoring. Maybe we need to go over to rally scoring to make it more TV friendly. What do you think about that, Steve?
2: Well, I think if we ever flirt with the idea of actually becoming a professional sport that's on television, on ESPN, or in the Olympics, I have a feeling that that's what the television audience is going to want. Not the players, necessarily, but the television audience. You know, they have to know how long a match is going to last when they televise matches. Uh, they have to have the audience understand the scoring. And uh, from what I understand, that's one of the reasons um,
1: badminton uh, switched.
0: Yeah, I mean, volleyball switched, badminton switched, like you said, Mm -hmm. and we're kind of the last holdout. What about you, Mark? What do you think?
1: I agree with Steve, and there's reasons why other sports have done this, you know, to speed up the game. I know here here in Collingwood, we've got two courts at a local YMCA where we usually have anywhere between 20 and 30 people show up to play. And ever since I've been here, it is automatic by default rally scoring. Because if you do regular scoring, people could play for half an hour and the score could still be zero zero, right? Mm -hmm. At least in theory. So this way, when we play rally scoring to 15, you know at most it's going to be 29 points. They're off the court. The next people get to play. It speeds it up. It moves things along. Uh, It means that if you're in a game that you're not loving, uh,
0: well, it's not going to last that long. You mean like if you were playing against me? No, I'm just (laughs)
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know there are some people out there, pickleball purists, who uh, I often get these emails who they ask me about it and, you know, well, it's going to change the strategy. And if you can get points, whether you're serving or returning, people are going to be more tentative when they hit the serve.
0: You know, I'm just trying to think, like, if I'm playing a rally scoring game, what would I do different?
1: When you are serving and you know a serve that you hit out, for example, is going to be a point for the other team. I mean, Tyson McGuffin, we've talked about him in previous episodes, and how much he goes for on the serve especially when playing singles you know i wonder how that would tilt the game even more towards the returning team because servers who are now scared about coughing up a point by missing their serve might be a little more tentative and might be a little more conservative when they hit that serve
0: yeah we'll talk about this more in uh, upcoming episodes let's do this we got a quick tip from steve Peranto to make your game better right after this this is pickleball radio the U.S. Open Pro Division awards 48 medals. This year 21 of those went to pros using an Engage paddle. To really get what makes Engage the best you need to walk onto the court with one. Go to EngagePB.com and try any paddle risk-free for 30 days. You're guaranteed to play with more power and more control than you've ever experienced before. Or simply return it for a full refund. Engage will even cover the shipping. Play better, have more fun, and take your place on the medals Stand. Go to engagepb.com. You're listening to Pickleball Radio. I am your host Chris Allen, joined by Mark Rennison of ThirdShotSports.com, and up in Portland, Oregon, Steve Peranto. Steve, you got a quick tip for us? Uh, three five four zero oh players. We just want to get better. We want to be able to hang with those four fives and those five os How can you help us do that?
2: If I have limited time to work with, uh, say, a 3 5 or 4 let's say I have 20 minutes to spend with them, I'm going to get them up to the dinking line, and that's where I want them comfortable. I want them so that they have nice footwork up there, they're shuffling, they don't have a lot of things going on with their hands or their paddle angles. I want to keep things simple. Mainly, I just want them to feel really comfortable at the dink line. I want them to be still when they hit the ball, you know, shuffle, then get still, then hit. And then Every time you hit a shot, get that paddle back up so you're in a ready position. The biggest shortcut for a three, five, four-o player to compete with five-o players and to be fun for them so that you can get on the court and still be a fun player for them is if you know how to dink the ball short and you can block. If you can do those two things, you can enjoy playing with a five-o player.
0: I love the uh, comment that Simone Jardim and Deb Harrison made at the end of the video that we linked to in the Monday edition of pickleball news they were talking about just that quiet paddle quiet mind yes that that, that is yeah. so much more important than being you know aggressive and go 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 yeah
2: and if, if all those viewers could just watch Simone as much as possible and see her position how her feet are far apart and how low she gets and how often she hits the ball out of the air and hits volley dinks rather than letting the ball bounce. You know, know, that's a little difficult for a lot of three fives and four O's. But if you work on that, not giving up that no volley line, getting that nice touch so you can volley dink, you become a threat and uh, you have so many more skills. You do have to be balanced though, when you're, you're up there. So you're hitting those volley dinks. That's, that's why, if you look at Simone, he's down so low or balance is nice, less to go wrong.
1: Hey Steve, can I ask you a question? When you talked about um, and getting back into a ready position, I know there's been some debate in the pickleball world, and I know my thinking has changed a little bit in the last year or so. For some people, the traditional ready position is where that paddle is straight out in front, and sort of the you know it's not biased one way or the other towards mm-hmm. the forehand or backhand. It's sort of right in the middle. One of the other ways of thinking about it is having uh, the paddle tilted a little bit, sort of biased towards the backhand side. Could you say something to us about? In your view, what is sort of the preferred ready position?
2: Well, exactly what you just talked about. Not exactly neutral with your with your paddle pointed forward. Definitely not with just your the back of your hand of the paddle pointed toward your opponents, because then they're gonna hit towards your right shoulder if you're right handed and make you use the other side of the paddle. So slightly, um, it's still I still call it neutral, but you know, your paddle is slightly pointed to the left or you know, about uh, what would they say on the clock? That would be about a 10 o'clock position.
0: Unless you're left-handed, and then that would be 2 o'clock.
2: Right. Chris <laughs> out right. <Celestia> there. <laughs> I'm
0: always having to do the translation.
2: All things being equal, if I hit a good dink, that's, that's where I would put my, my paddle. And I like it up higher than most when I teach and out a little farther in front. When the paddle's way out in front, you tend to meet the ball out in
0: front. That's great advice, and that's something that should be is worth repeating. That when your paddle is out in front, you tend to meet the ball out in front of you. Right, Steve Peronto. You can find his articles at Pickleball Magazine. Also, you're doing work with the IPTPA. Mark Renison, ThirdShotSports.com. That's where you can see everything that Mark is up to, including his new podcast, Pickleball Problems. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Pickleball Radio.